Okay, on page Tesvav, we're talking about the urgency of constantly repeating to oneself and reviewing and being within oneself that Nakuda Pnimis, the inner point of what it means to be a Jew, which is Amuna, which is to be a Mamun, and what Amuna means. We're talking about there are two levels of Amuna, two types of Amuna. There's the intellectual awareness. All of us know that God exists the same way that we know that 8 plus 5 equals 13. There are things that we know. We were told as kids, we were told that there's a God, and we told that 2 plus 2 equals 4. There are things that we know. But the Altar from the Vadik spent a great deal of time writing in his Sefer, which is only explaining something that's found in Chazal in a million places, that Hashem's Baruch didn't want us, didn't create us to be in the world just simply to know, the same way we know that, that 2 plus 2 equals 4, to know that He created the world. That, that that awareness or that intellectual understanding is not the definition of Amuna. It's the beginning of Amuna. Our parents told us there's a Rabbi Shalom. Our teacher told us there's a Rabbi Shalom. And our teacher told us that, that 2 plus 2 equals 4. But many, many people spend their entire lives living with that, with that knowledge or their Amuna being limited to that intellectual that intellectual awareness that there's a God. And that person could be a big Tamachacham. He knows all about, the, he knows the Sheetahs of Rambam, he knows the Sheetahs of Sadiqan, of Abudalai, and Hashgach, of Protest, he knows, he knows all the Yud Gimli Karm. He's a big Baki in Yiddishkeit. In other words, he knows a lot about Hashem. But the Alton Nevadic says that that's not the definition of Amuna. That's the beginning of Amuna. But the aside, the inner Nakud of Amuna is what the Alter calls Amuna Bechush, which means to feel in a very, very strong way, in a very clear way. Somewhere we said yeah, that, that, that's exactly that, it. That, that's, that's a hundred percent in the Rabbanu Shalom. Lahashrish b'libeinu that that the Amuna is v'hashiv v'yadata hayoyim. That's good. But v'hashiv oyselavavecha means that it's something that a person mamish lives with every second. That's what we were learning at page Tesvav. Where is that? In the Rebbeinu Shalom, by 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 no, uh, by, 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 by taking out the sefer Torah, Rosh Lahashrish that that not just that the emuna should be is very good. That lahashrish that the emuna should be something which is rooted deep in us. Shayrish, lahashrish. So he says, page Tesva. Let's just review that paragraph today. Well, the first Kedai on the page over there. This doesn't happen overnight. It's not enough. And, and, we, and he already said that those people say, What do you mean I know there's a God? What do you have to talk so much about this business about feeling His presence and being aware of Him? I know it. So that's exactly the problem. That our knowledge, our, our Amun is limited to that bit of information we have. 2 plus 2 equals 4. And there's also a Barnishlo. He says, but that this idea, that this knowledge, this awareness should become part of our lives and develop into something which is a chush, which is going to spend a lot of the safer talking about how does it become something that we mamish feel. So he says, that's something you have to work on for a great deal of time. It's not enough to hear and to say, Toivan, you're there, right, right, I know. You already told me that there's a Baruch I know there's a God. In Lashma Kaidish, in Hebrew, Ladas means two things. There's a there's a das that's that's intellectual knowledge, ladas, and there's also a lashon of chibur. It means to be deeply attached to something, because the first time that the word idea appears in Tanakh, which we know from the tzaddikim, if you want to know the shirish of what a word really means, then you look to see the first time it's found in Tanakh. Abtzadik and other tzaddikim said this many times. If you want to know what a word really is. 
then you look at the, you you find the first time that word is mentioned in Tanakh, and that's the that is the sheresh and the binyan of for what that word means in Panimis. So the first time that yedia knowledge is found in the entire Tanakh is the knowledge of Adam yada as ishtai that Adam knew his wife Chava. With there, of course, knowledge doesn't mean intellectual. It doesn't mean that he knew who his <coughs> wife was. It meant that they were intimate with each other. That's what Yidiyah means, that they were attached. They were completely bound one to the other. That's what Yidiyah means. Over Yedah Bilvad, Maspik Adam, if it was just a matter of knowing something intellectually, it would be enough to say to a person, Shabarit Yisrael, if you tell a person that there's a place that's called Yerushalayim, so now he knows about Yerushalayim. Not only that, you could take out a map and show him where Yerushalayim is, but does that mean that he, does that mean that he really knows Yerushalayim? It means he knows of Yerushalayim. So, the, so knowing of Yerushalayim, there are people that their entire marriage is only on their first lovely idea that you know that person, meaning intellectually. But as far as being attached and feeling any level of depth and devotion, that's missing. So too, there are people, many, many people who know of Yerushalayim, and they might have even been there, and they've seen Yerushalayim. But knowing Yerushalayim, he says, is something else. That deeper level of Ha'adam Yada Eschave Ishto means to know something intimately. It means to be deeply connected to something. That's something altogether different. Avalkan, he says, Medubar al Yediyash Adam Sarachlias Mechuber Eileha. Mechuber, a chibur to Yerushalayim means that you can't be away from Yerushalayim. You can't be separated from Yerushalayim. It's part of who you are. So too, Va'adam Yada Eschave Ishto. It's not enough in a marriage that they know who they know the other one, or they understand something of the other person. Yada yedia means chibur. So too, knowing that Hashem exists is not is not the pnimius of Amun, just knowing that there's a God, and knowing that He runs the world. The yedia there also is a yedia that means chibur. That means a deep a deep attachment. Something, you're attached to something with your entire being. That's the meaning of Yediyah. In order to reach that, I mean, we, have to, we have to begin from Aleph. We have to start again. Because that's not the Amunah that we were taught. We were just taught that there is a God. We were not taught about any relationship with Him. We don't really have a relationship to speak of. I mean, everybody's different. And that's... Nobody knows what anybody carries in his heart. But to have a relationship, a chibur with a person, that requires a tremendous amount of time, a tremendous amount of effort. When people get married, it doesn't mean that they know each other. It means that there's no chibur, there's no attachment on any deeper level. That's a matter of, of tremendous amount of work, and it takes time. So too, when it comes to knowing Hashem, it's, we have to go across a great distance which we have to explain how does one begin to be attached to Hashem not just to know of His existence we have the beginning of of this emuna, the beginning of becoming attached to Hashem is reviewing over and over in a person's head the simple sentence why did I come to the world? What am I doing in the world? If we would stop a few times during the day and ask ourselves sincerely that question, why did I come to the world? I don't know if I mentioned in Shul 
I will mention in the shul there was a there was a Maisim Chavetz Maybe said list. I don't remember. There was a Maisim Chavetz Chaim. I said it's the list too. The Chavetz Chaim. It was thundering and lightning in Raden, and and the Chavetz Chaim was, went to the window, and there was a bracha that was taking care of the Chavetz Chaim, and he went to the window, and he made the bracha, and after he made the bracha, the Chavetz Chaim was still mumbling, and the was saying something, and the uh, bracha that was taking care of the Chavetz Chaim was wondering, you know, there's no bracha on thunder and lightning, so he was, was wondering what is that. So what was the Chavetz Chaim saying? He was saying. Vos vilta tata. Vos vilta What does my father want? What does that mean? Because the Gemara says in Brachis that Hashem created thunder and lightning in order to straighten out the crookedness of the heart. That a person, you know, the sound of thunder, boom, the person thinks, Gewalt, you know, there's something going on. That there's a God out there. There's a God in the world, right? That's what thunder. The Gemara says the whole reason that there's such a thing called thunder is to straighten out that crookedness. So when the Chavetz Chaim heard thunder, so he, he, he understood it personally. He said, Vos vilta tata. What does he want from me? What is he telling me? What's the Bible telling me? What's he telling me? Because a person has to stop and ask himself, What am I doing here? What does he want from me? What does the Ebishter want? What is he telling me? What's the Tachlis? Why am I here? The answer to that is, the Bible put me that I should be an Elohim, that I should be a Mammon, that I should be a Jew that's attached to him. That's how the tzaddikim lived. See, they didn't have sederim. Avram Avinu didn't have a seder, and he didn't have a rabbi. Chazal tells that that his own kidneys were teaching him Torah, whatever that means. He didn't have a rabbi. He didn't go to yeshiva. There was nothing to mess him up, nothing to blame his problems on. He didn't hear a word about the Baruchim from anybody. He lived with the constant question of what is this? What is this? What is this about? Right? Like Chazal tells us. And Chazal tells about Avram Avinu. There's a beer they lack because he saw this. There's something going on. He was asking, what am I doing here? What's the tachlis? We don't have that. We don't have to ask those questions, but we, we do. But we feel that we don't have to. Why? Because somebody already told us the answers. Right away when we started, they said, this is the way it is, this is the way it is, that's the way it is. And we never ask ourselves. Balei Tshuva are different. Because Balei Tshuva asks questions. That's why if you look at, generally speaking, not always, but the, certainly at the beginning, but even for many years afterwards, the Yiddishkeit of Bali Tshuva is very, very inspired. It's very exciting. They look at us and they're wondering what, you know, what's going on, what happened to us. And sometimes it scares them because they became from because they think that like, we're really into it. And then when they live with us, they find out that we're not really into it. Then they have go through this whole crisis, like what's the tachlis of raising kids in the from community? If, uh, if they can end up being like these guys, you know, that, that you know... Uh, that are davening without without any kavanah and that are just waiting for you know passing passing time you know to see where they could find the quickest minion yom kippur to get over with the business. So they with the balei tshuva. Why is that? Because I once explained that a tshuva means an answer. <coughs> so it's interesting. The balei tshuva they look at us the from people for for the answer. They say, oh, they must have the answer, <coughs> right? Because the word tshuva means an answer, and we look at the balei tshuva to remember that there's a question, right? We have to become Balei Shaila. Those of us who are born in from homes, we have to start asking questions again. Not questions that because we're skeptical, but questions of L'Shem Abbasulam. Every Baal Tshuva is asking himself, why did I come to the world? Why did I come to the world? I had this guy that was by me the other day, Shabbos. This guy, this guy was making a little bit less than a million dollars a year. He was making a little bit less than a million dollars a year in the corporate world in California. He was making a belt of money. And now he's Bekoshi, Bekoshi, trying to make ends meet to pay tuition in Yeshiva. He became a Baal Tshuva. Huh? Oh, because tuition in Yeshiva cost almost a million dollars. So, so Bekoshi, Bekoshi is making ends meet. 
And you know, so we're looking at this guy, like, and if you, if you bring this kid into yeshiva, like all the kids are thinking, was he crazy out of his mind? You know? And he looks at us, and, he, and he's and he's envious because we can pronounce the words, right? And because and 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 we we're comfortable with our Yiddish guy. And you ask him, how did you come to this? So he describes his Avramavinu type of a life, where he had nothing in his house, and he began to ask himself, what's the tachlis? Like, why did I come to the world? What am I doing here? So it's an interesting thing. So we're thinking, what do you mean, came to the world to make a million dollars a year? And he's thinking, well, no, that's not what I came. And he thinks that we're thinking about why the reason that we came to the world is to serve Hashem as Baruch. Halavai, halavai. So what happens? He met up in the old city with a couple of good people. He met this one, he met that one, he went to some shiurim. But kids said, now, now, he's, now he's a firmiyid. He's still on fire, but he's wondering what's going on with us. We were talking about this. Is what us meaning with the from communities having a very, very difficult time. And I said, you know, all should all get together and make yourselves your own community so you don't get messed up by us. You should build a community someplace on an island somewhere and just scream and dive and you don't have to feel uncomfortable or worried about about the uh, FFBs, so to speak, the, uh, the from from birth. Or the FFBWLs, from from birth with lapses, like one of my friends said. Right? Make your own place and be who you want to be and scream and yell and learn and dive in with, a, with that freshness. But the, 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 the defining characteristic of every Balchuba is that he was asking questions. He wasn't satisfied just getting the, getting answers. He was asking questions. That's the defining quality of every Balchuba. And that's how Avram Avinu was. It was hard for Yitzchak Avinu because Yitzchak Avinu is very FFB. He was the first FFB with Yitzchak Avinu. I hate those titles, by the way. I'm just using it because it's convenient. Yitzchak Avinu is the first from, from birth. He was the first Nigel Nishmai, he had a bris on the eighth day, he was the first one like that. Avraham Avinu was a Balchuv. Yitzchak Avinu was born in a firm home. For Yitzchak Avinu was much, much harder to be an Elchi. It was much harder to be a Fermi in certain ways. I, Avraham Avinu's family, they were over there, other idol worshippers. But it's, you know, it's not so hard to smash idols, but it's much, much harder to smash semi-truths, right? When you grow up in a from home and there are things that are like this and things that are like that, things that are good and things that are not so good. So it's very hard to walk around with a stick and start to break things if, if things look like they're sort of okay. Avravina was smashing idols. But when you grow up in a from home, it's very hard to smash anything. It's very hard to break anything. It's very hard to be your own person. That was Yitzchak Avina's challenge. How to be in a from home and to, and to, and to become who you need to become. Which is interesting. Yitzchak Avina's name never was changed. It was always Yitzchak. And he never left there to sell, right? Avram Avinu and Yaakov Avinu, their names were changed. And they went all over the place. It's interesting. The Tzadikim said that the name Yitzchak stands for a Yid is a Tzadik Echazer HaKadosh. A Yehudi, a Yid is a Tzadik Echazer HaKadosh. The Jew, without, without changing his name, without turning his whole life around, Yitzchak Avinu taught us that being raised in the yeshiva, in the from home, with the Heilige parents, you could still be a big Tzadik Echazer in Kaddish, without having to turn your whole life around and becoming a Balchur. But it's a, t- it's a very big challenge. It's very, very hard. So what he's saying is, this is how the others lived. They didn't have Siddurim. The others didn't have a Siddur. The others had to find Hashem. They had to ask the question, Why did I come to the world? Who am I? What's the tachas of my life? It wasn't given to them. They didn't have Siddurim. They had to really dive. See, we don't have to really dive because it's going to come in today, whatever, whatever, whatever Mech is going to be. So gonna, and then you go home, you don't feel bad at all. Why? I said Asher, I said Shemin I said Hamel HaKadosh, I said Hamel HaMish, but so I'm fine. I'm clear. Why? Because I couldn't say, I'm Yaitzah. But by the others, they didn't have that. There was nobody that gave a clap and said, Asher, 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 that's not happening with Adavim. He spoke to the Rishlam. He had to really have a relationship. We don't have to. We could hide behind the, we do have to, but we think we don't have to, because we could hide behind the Nusach and say, Asher, 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 Asher,
We don't have to. Have, we don't feel that we need to relate to him. The others, the beginning of our people didn't start that way. It didn't start that way. You had no choice but to but to have a relationship. So he says, All the tzaddikim live that way. If you look in the if you look in the in the told us the biography of the Chavetz Chaim, you'll see the Chavetz Chaim every single second. That's how he lived. With, with, in a dialogue with Hashem and constantly asking himself what does my father want what can I do why am I here what's the tachlis right now of my, of my life this moment that's how the tzaddikim became tzaddikim it wasn't just because they followed the program what was the whole of the tzaddikim in this world emunah but again an emunah of not just knowing that God exists because for that it's enough Then you can just use the siddur And you can just do whatever you know. It means having a relationship Like for Adam Yodas Chava Ishta It means intensity and warmth And intimacy and depth That's what it means Yadir That's Emunah Ve'erastichli le'olam Ve'erastichli be'emunah I became betrothed Engaged to Hashem Ve'erastichli be'emunah the Adat is Hashem. That's when you wrap the tzilin around the finger, right? Like a, like a wedding ring. Ve'erastichli be'emuna. Hashem, you you bound me to you. You became engaged and betrothed and married to me. Be'emuna. And what's the emuna? The Adat is Hashem. The same way when you get married and you put the ring on. The union of putting the ring, ve'erastichli be'emuna, that's the union of putting on the ring. The Adat is Hashem. Means that what the husband and wife are saying to each other It's not enough just to know that we're married There has to be what? There has to be a chibur between a husband and wife That's what it means That's why the holy name of the chasna And even the giving of the ring is the oasis of Hashem's name It's a very very big Indian But that's what's brought down in the swarm It's a, it's a, it's a very big thing that the, 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 the kala holds out her finger the Kala holds out the finger and the Chasna holds the ring. The ring is like a Yud and, the, and he holds it in his hand, right? Which is a hay. And he puts on the Kala's hand the hay because there are five fingers, which is the hay, right? The ring is the Yud. It's like a Yud. That's what the ring is. And he's holding it in his hand, the Chasna, which is, which is hay, five fingers. The Kala puts out her finger, which is the Vav. And her hand, to accept it, is the hay, which is the Shem Havaya, the Shem Yukevav Kabur. And that Chibur of the Erastichli Abu of Yadat is Hashem is the Chibur that the Baruch Shalom wants that we should have with him. It's not enough just to know that he exists, but to be Machubah to him. And that's Amunah. And that's how all the Tzaddikim live in Page Tesvav. Mahat Tachlis Hashem is Bakeshis Memeni Ba'ilam. A person has to ask, what's the tachlis of what the Baruch Hashanah wants? What's, what's the tachlis? Emunah. The answer is Emunah. What is it that a person has to think about in his life? Emunah. Emunah. A person has to think about this all of the time, that the ikr of my life is Emunah. He's not saying, God forbid, that, that you don't have to do the misses, of course, being the all the misses. But what is it? That makes a difference between one Jew and another. Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh said, This Jew puts on Tefillin, this Jew puts on Tefillin. This, this one keeps Shabbos, this one keeps Shabbos. But the chilik between one Yid and another Yid is Emunah. That's the difference between one Jew and another Jew. This one's Emunah is different than that one's Emunah. And a person who lives in the world of Emunah, even though he puts on Tefillin, he puts on Tefillin, he davens, he davens. After this world, they're two different Eilamists, Mamish. 
two different universes, two different worlds. Even in this world, there are two different people. A Jew who's a mamin bechush be'emes, who lives with the Muna, and a person who who just goes through the motions. There are two different bechinas altogether of a Jew. And he says, page Tesvav, the bottom of the page, It's not possible after just hearing this. You know, you, you, you hear this from a Sefer. It's not possible after hearing this one time, that this is going to change everything you were thinking about until this day. It does, it's not possible just by reading this in a Sefer one time and hearing this, that now everything in your life is going to change. Even if you are intellectually convinced 100% that what? That the author of this Sefer is correct. He's not saying anything of his own. He's telling us from all the Rishayim and all the Tzadikim that he's correct. That what? That to be a mom and me is not just to know that there's a God, but to have a deep, intimate relationship with him and to feel that and that the sight of one's entire life is a Muna. Even after you have been intellectually convinced 100% that this is accurate and that this is the way it's supposed to be. It's also not Pashto, but let's say that that's what it is. But that in order what? That your way of thinking should be changed. That your mom is think about life in a different way. You have to what? You have to get into the habit of thinking. I heard something. In other words, I heard something. Shamati dvarm hemamiti Is this that I learned? This that I heard? Is it true or is it not true? After it's clear to you that it's true, I mean, you and I could have heard in our lives probably those who were raised in yeshivas and afterwards in shuls. We've heard thousands of shmuz, thousands of shmuz, unbelievable amount of talks. How many of them? How many of them have we actually taken with us? I mean, we have. All of us have tried to one degree or another, taken that shmuz or a shmuz afterwards and asked ourselves, "Is this true? And if it's true, what are the consequences of this shmuz? How am I going to? How am I going to change? How am I going to adapt this to my life?" We have. We have in the shul. I don't want to say a name on the tape. There's an elderly woman that's in her 80s, behind her. At Sadegis, like, you can go to Fabrochus, Mamish. Anybody can go to Fabrochus. We, uh, we're all in awe of her. She comes to every Shia. She'll go to a Shia. She'll get up in the morning. Some other tzaddik in the shul drives her or walks with her. She walks slowly. I know her for around 25 years. She used to go to all the Shabbatons. Her husband wasn't religious. Even at the end of his life, he never became from. He was a very good guy. And he, he would go to all the Shabbatons. And he was always like, you know, he was a good sport. But he never became religious. One of the, one of the kids is, the other one's not. She's at Sadegis. What does that mean for a person at the age of, at the age of, let's say, 60, 65? To hear something and to turn your entire life around because it's true. When do we do that? Forget about 60, 60. When do we do that as young people who are filled with kaiches? To hear something and to turn your whole life around. I saw in the Sefer that there was a Yid, there was a Lubavitch that was stuck there in the, with the communists for years and years and years. He couldn't get out. And they finally, I think I might have mentioned this to you last year, finally, finally, when, when the Soviet Union, when, it, when, when the things opened up, so he got out, and of course the first place he went to was to go see the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So he went to, he went to, to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and the Lubavitcher Rebbe had a good memory, as you know. And he remembered, he said, oh, sure, he saw him 70 years ago, he remembered they were talking and learning 70 years ago. 
and the Lubav Shavi asked him, whatever the guy's name was, probably, you know, uh, Dovber, or Shalom Dovber, or Shnei Zaman, one of the names. So he asked him, what kept you all this? This guy was beaten. He was in prison. He was, and he was teaching Yiddish guy the whole time, and they threw him in jail. You know, these Chabad, because they're mamish. Maishrei Nefesh, something like, you know, we think Mysterious Nefesh is getting up for Zlichus, you know, at 7 o'clock, and they already want to get the Tzadik of the Year award, and they should on you and your kids' yeshiva that you got up for Zlichus. This is real Mysterious Nefesh. He's Yidin. So this Chabatzke says, so the Rebbe asked him, the Babish Rebbe asked him, what held you for 70 years like that? Imamish was with the worst Cossacks. They were killing him. So he said, what held me? He says, Ein vod was from the Rashab. I heard a vart from the Rebbe Rashab. Rebbe Sholem Davbeer, I heard a vart. One sentence. I don't know what the vart is, but he said it with Lubavitcher. Be this vart that he heard from the Rashab because he was a parsha the yid. He wasn't like a deep thinker. And this vart from the Rashab, he said, this this kept me for the last seventy years. You know what that means? <clears throat> I was talking about my in my parents' neighborhood. They got a new rabbi in the shul. And my father's so excited. Well, I bet I, I bet I shouldn't say the neighborhood right now. Off the books, it's on the machine. I'll tell you, maybe I'll tell you. So, so they got, so they got a new rabbi, and my father's so excited because for years and years and years, all the last two rabbis are talking about is you know like anthrax and Palestinians, you know, and uh, and Arafat, you know, the the speeches about the the world and the state of the world and how I know, I know what the president should do and those kind of rabbinical talks. So finally, they got a young rabbi, and the rabbis, the rabbi started a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying over what parish. My father is so excited. He was saying, so I asked my father. I said, Daddy, what did the what did the rav say? The new rav. So my father said he set up a he set a rash in an archaimakudish, an archaimakudish. I said, what did he say? But he said, my father, no, he said archaimakudish. And my father was so beautiful. The archaim. I came home and told mom the archaimakudish. That's where my father lives. But also, already the young people, we'd already critique. That's what we had to pay for a new rabbi to say Narchamakadosh. I guess like, I can live Narchamakadosh myself. He had, that's why I'm paying him money to say Narchamakadosh. Not one Svasamis. Not one nice story from Shlomo Kalbach. Gornish. Narchamakadosh. That's his name. Rashi. But if you tell my father Rashi, my father the whole week long, he calls up his brother. Did you hear it? So what Rashi said? Did you see what Rashi said this week? That's how they talk. But that, he is an avart. Not a fancy thing, not that they have to get a page on the internet, you know, the, the pages that they give out so people don't have to dive them, right? Like you, you have a page on your table, you don't have to sing even, you have to say the Chadaiki, all of a sudden you become interested in learning. Only by diving everybody wants to learn. They take out their pages that they got the Shabbos. Anayimaz. Used to be the Jews were happy davening. Now you have to give them a page to keep themselves busy. I asked somebody, why do you give out pages? I mean, Hashem wants them to daven. They're not going to daven, he said, they're going to talk, so better they should look at some Torah, this way they won't talk. Can you imagine? This is what we're in. But the point here is that is that when a yid lives in that in that in that in that way of a muna, one vart a vart can sustain him. One rash. This yid seventy years by the communists. He says to Rabbi I heard a vart from the Rebbe Shad gave me chiyas. This vart, which you and I wouldn't remember fifteen minutes later. And someone tell you the vart, you'd tell you from the vart from the Rebbe you'd say, oh, it's a good vart, it's a good vart. I have also a vart. You tell him a vart, and that's it. And the next day there was no vart. You don't remember what the parish is, who, what, where. And this year, for 70 years, is giving him chiyas. I remember when I was when I read. The, did you ever read the book by by Sharansky, Fear No Evil? Did you ever read that book? It's a murder book. I don't know where he's holding with his mitzvahs. I don't know. But that book, Fear No, he's a mom and he believes in Hashem's book. That book, Fear No Evil, 
So what kept him also the thoughts, the machshavas he had, a few machshavas that kept him because he had a very hard time over there. What kept him those machshavas? They were machshavas of Hashem. They were machshavas of being a Jew. That kept him. It's Mordechai So he says, that's what he's saying here. A person has to ask himself. Not, it's not that you heard a shear. Let me heard a shear. You look, you read a nice thing in a sefer. But what is it saying the Savior? It says this has a Savior. There's not enough just to know that there's a God we have to live with a husna. It's a good vart. He says, This is something you have to your whole life. It's not void. And you have to always say, Like this woman in our shul. She hears a shir. And then I'm on, with, I'm on the phone. She's asking me she's asking me the next day about something. There's something I said in the shir about a certain Indian, and she's doing it. She's already doing it. And she's asking me a question about exactly how that has to be done. So I like something like, you know, I keep talking about the Shia, but, you know, something like a guy doesn't want us to ever get angry. She said, oh, so she's never going to get angry again. She wants to talk to me about certain things, whether that's called anger, because she decides she'll never be angry again. And I'm thinking, when I said that, I never, I never expected not to be angry, maybe for like a half hour. But she heard it, and she has that, 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 that unbelievable clarity, and she asks herself, after she heard this, she just said, okay, well, why did said today? This, sound, this is true. This is the Ratzon Hashem. It was the Ratzon Hashem. Nope. I said, how do I do this? How do I live this way? And she's asking me, how do I live this way? It's not blue madrega. I once had, many years ago, I used to give a shir in Queens to Svardim. And it's Israelis. It's all, and in, in Hebrew, I gave this shir. It was a whole different thing, because they scream at you and yell at you and argue with you. It's a whole different thing with them. Ashkenazim go to a shir like they go to a concert, you know, and they say, oh, and then afterwards they clap. And they go back to be Mechal Shabbos. But the Svadim start, the Svadim yell and scream and fight. It's like a whole Muhammad with the Svadim. It's like the Israelis, you know, they, they tell you, don't know what you're talking about, they yell at you. And the she was supposed to be from 9 till 10 o'clock. I was never getting back until 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning from these guys. Unbelievable. So one time I was there in the, in the, in the shul, it was, it was in Kigarden Hills, and I was standing in the shul downstairs, and the island left, there were three people left. And the, these guys, and mom was getting worked up with the shmoes we were talking about. This is really this big guy. See, he was so worked up, and he grabbed me like this, and he said to me, "You heard this from me." He said, "He said, Rabbi, he said, I have one question. If you answer this question, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy film tomorrow." That's what he said to me. So right away I thought, "What do you care? We stupid. We have one question. And that's the question. And what if I don't know the answer? That means that I mean, I right away start to back off. What are you asking me? There's one. If I answer this question, then he's going to come up for me. So I got scared, you know, without him. Let me ask me a question. So he said, "No, no, no, He didn't go for any of my things. So listen to this crazy question he asked me. So he said, "Tagili meiza Gilgul aniba." He wants to know where he comes from. His Gilgul is Nisham. So what am I supposed to tell him? How's he going to check anyway? Like where the Gilgul comes from? Yes, what Gilgal is the cover? So I said to him, I said, I'm Ezra Gilgal Ataba. I said, Tishma, I'm going to say, I'm Ezra Gilgal Ataba. I don't know what Gilgal you come from. I can't tell you where a Gilgal means where you were rolling from. I can't tell you what Gilgal you come from. I can tell you, I can tell you where you're heading, where you're rolling to. I can say, your kids are all going to marry Goyim. You're, you're going to end up in the gutter because you drink and you smoke and you, and you have nobody that you can live with for more than two weeks. That's just going to be with you. So I know what he was. I thought he was going to punch. I don't know what he was going to do. And he just stood there. He was yelling at me for 15 minutes insults. He came to the Ashkenazim because ne- then they'll never talk to you and they'll leave. You know. But I was yelling at him for 15 minutes insults, and the whole time he's looking at me like this. And and 
Then finally he puts me down, he makes nice, and he says, Beseda. He says, okay, tomorrow morning. I said, I went with him, we bought Tillin. He lives now in Muncie, he has six children. He's cemetery mitzvahs, has a long beard and pegas. Lahafli. Lahafli. Zehu. Zehu. And he's not a dumb person, but he's an unvak, he wants the truth. He wants the truth. And, and for whatever reason he ended up, and he heard something, and he said, when a person asks himself, what I heard, is it true? If it's true, what am I doing about it? How's my life different? If you learn something, and then what? And it seems to you, it sounds like it's true. Then you have to begin to think more and more about them. Even when you go to bed. What did I hear? What did I learn today? You can't just drop something. That's what happens. You walk away from the shit, you drop it. This old lady in the shul, she doesn't drop anything that she learns. She ruminates. She thinks. She chazas over in her head. She thinks about every single second. What did I hear today? It's What time is it? 20 to 1. It's less. It's like a ma'ay slice when we heard the shaifa blowing. Yesterday, this time, we were still hearing the tekiahs by Musaf, right? Yesterday, this time. We were hearing the tekiahs. So, it's an ultimate. It's a very, it's a very classiest tekiahs. We're going to have to hear new drushes about what the shaifa means. It's a very ultimate. But there are Jews, the same way by Hasinai, that when the shofar is blowing, it says that the sound of the shofar is chazak. Like we said in Musaf yesterday, it was getting stronger and stronger, right? There's a certain kind of a Jew that when he hears the shaifa, even after the shaifa stops, call God of Yosaf, meaning it doesn't stop. For some Jews, after they hear the shaifa, finished. They walk home, Gamanu. I'm done with Rosh Hashanah. Next year, another Rosh Hashanah. There are other Jews that when they hear the shaifa blowing, it still hocks them in the head later on at night, the shaifa. That's the difference between a big Jew and a little Jew. A little Jew, when the shaifa is done, it's done. It's the end of the tkiyas. Baruch Petrano, we're finished. That's the last tkiyah. Nachim Kip at the end, there'll be another tkiyah. Then it's really good, because then I can have my Danish and coffee. And then it's really finished. But there's another kind of a Jew that as Rosh Hashanah passes, the sound of the shofar gets louder. Like it says by Maimon Sinai, It gets louder and louder. And he begins to hear, and it hocks him in his head, and he can't go to sleep at night. He thinks about my life, what's my life, and how am I living, and how did I change, and have I changed. And do I think about the right form? Do I care about being a Jew? What does it mean to me to be a Jew? And it gets stronger and stronger, the shaifa. By most people, the shaifa, by the time it's finished, everybody gets weak. And then afterwards, everybody's talking on their way home. What do you think about today's tekiahs? Then they have the judges, like in the Olympics. This guy puts out a 10, this guy puts out a 9. And then we say, I'm sorry. You know, you lost. We're going to get new about the next year. You're a loser. And the tekiahs are like little children. waiting to hear who could blow better than this one? And he had a little bit of a... Had a little bit of a, of a mistake in his uh, tekiahs or something. Who's better? But a Jew who's really a Jew, when he hears the tekiahs, the tekiahs don't let him go to sleep. To hack him in the head afterwards. Tekiah shram to a tekiah, what it means a tekiah. They make him crazy. That's what it means to be a yid. If you think about it. And when you go to sleep at night, you don't stop thinking about mashamati and what did I hear today? If we would talk about some of the tefillahs that we said yet less than 25 hours ago, the tefillahs that we were saying, those things... <clears throat> what it means what each one to go through just to say just to translate just, what we, just the words that we were saying 
And now it's not even 24 hours less. It's not even 24 hours later, less than the Mesla Ace. And what this morning? How are each of us? How are we going about our business? Did we change anything? Is there anything that's key who's there different? So that's the whole thing. It's time about Yom Kippur. Then I'm going to start making some adjustments. Spent the whole 25, two days. Two days we spent, like I was saying last night by Mincha, two days we spent in the king's palace. Two days we were Mamish walking in the king's palace. The next day, you come down as garnished. Like I, I, once, I think I once told the Ravoldi, the Ravoldi said that he, he, he was once on a tiul. When he was younger, they, when I saw they went on a tiul, they, the, they were in the Golan Heights. And they were high, high up in the mountain. It was very hot. And when they came, he said that, 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 that when he came to the top of the mountain, Ravolbi said, you know, you heard of Ravolbi, no? The, the L.A. show. So he said, when he came to the top of the mountain, Ravolbi said that he never saw such a beautiful sight. You remember that? You ever seen the Golan Heights? It's gorgeous. So Ravolbi said that he started to cry and to scream out, Sukkah from Tehillim. You know, he, he, when he was on top of the mountain, he never saw such Marab Masech Hashem. Anyway, Ravolbi said that when they came down from the mountain, they hiked down, they came down from the mountain, there was a kiosk selling drinks, cold drinks at the bottom of the mountain. So Ravoldi said that he, with the other Jews there, he was pushing to try to get ahead. They, they, he's not everybody that knew that he's a Rosh Hashiva, that he's a Mashgir, so they, they didn't know to let him move over because he wants to get, the, you know, to get his Coca-Cola. So Ravoldi said he was pushing, to push to the front of the line to get a, a cold drink. So Ravoldi wrote in it, he said, look at what a human being is. A half hour ago, I was crying on the top of this mountain I was on the top of the mountain. I was at the highest point of my amuna in my life. It was so clear to me that there's a creator. Half hour later, I'm pushing some. I'm pushing some altiyid so I can get my coke faster than him. So I can get a drink faster than him. Or what they used to have that tempo lavat, whatever it was, you know, creams, whatever the drinks they used to have. I'm pushing like the next guy. He says that's my enosh kisiv kiren, uven adam kisiv kiden. That a human being could be the highest, and the moment later could be the lowest. And what's the whole chiluk? That's what Rabbi was saying in the Shmuz. The chiluk is that when you see something and when you hear something, you live with it. You go when you get to the bottom of the mountain, you still have it. After Rosh Hashanah, you still have it. After Yom Kippur, you still hold on to it. You don't let go of it. That's the whole chiluk. A person asks himself, he hears a shir, Rishol Asatzmik, Mashamati Hayyim. What did I What did I hear today? What did I learn today? Mashamati Hayyim. In Zuemis. If what I heard is true, then I need to think about it. It's not just just because the shear ended, that's it. I have to think about what I learned. I have to think about it. It sounds so obvious, it sounds so simple, but if you think about it, that's not how it is. To think about it. True. At the beginning, a person doesn't understand yet. What does it mean, clear emuna? What does that mean? Well, you tell me I have to put so much effort into emuna. That's because since we're kids, all we think Amunah means is to believe that God exists. So in the Melev, all Amunah is is believing that God exists, and we talk and understand. What is he telling me to write that? But I have to put so much into that. If all Amunah means that God exists, then why are you telling me this whole big thing over here? Avi Yeshla Amunah Shachamah, Begadali Hadaris, Sha'amudav, next page, page, Hazayim, Yisodi, Bo Chavakuk, Vehamid and Lachas. We know that the Gemara tells us, Bo Chavakuk, the Chavakuk, Hanavi came. And he summarized all of Yiddishkeit in one sentence. What's that? In one passage. What Chavakuk Hanavi said, Tzadik Bemenosa Yechia. That 
the essence of a tzaddik, as I said a few minutes ago, is what is his what's, What distinguishes one Jew from another? They both put on tefillin. They both keep mitzvahs and they both stay away from avayus. What is the difference between one Jew and another Jew? Tzaddik be'manosu yichya, the madrege in emuna. Where is this person holding in his emuna? Zuri avodos of a kol yehuda b'chaim. This is the avoider of one's entire life. Ha'protim rabim heim. There are many, many details in being a Jew. There are many details in Yiddishkeit. But the Yisoyed and the Sherish is what we were talking about. If everything is Amuna. Remember we talked about this two weeks ago. Three weeks, what's going to prevent you from doing an Aveyor if you have a big Yitzhara? The biggest Yitzhara in your life, what's going to prevent you? Not just believing that God exists, but, but feeling that you have a relationship with Hashem. Or else... The only reason that you didn't do that a very until now is because it wasn't this bigger type. It wasn't such a big type. But if a bigger, if it's a bigger type, then you'll do it, right? Then you'll do it. Only if a person's emuna is rock solid. Only if a, if a person's emuna is bechush mamish and he has a relationship with Hashem Baruch, only that will prevent him from failing at any nisayin. That he won't ever fail in his avodas Hashem. He'll never ever fail in that nisayin. He'll never fail. Otherwise, how do you explain? This person believes in God, that person believes in God. Why does this person talk in shul? How come the other person doesn't talk in shul? Why? Because he, he has a rabbi that's stricter than the other one? No. This person believes in God, that person believes in God. When this person has to spend a night by himself in a hotel, he's watching something, God forbid, on the television he shouldn't be watching. The other person is learning a dafiyami. What's the difference? They're both religious. They both want to yeshiva. Emunah. That's it. is From there comes Yerushalayim. A person who lives even in a hotel room someplace in, in, in Arkansas, he lives with a Baruch Shalom and he feels a Baruch Shalom b'chush. So that's going to prevent him from watching that show. But just being a, a, an official Orthodox Jew that belongs to, uh, that's, that's a card-carrying member of some uh, Orthodox shul or some, you know, you belong to the uh, Aguda or RCA or Zachtus or Young Israel or whatever you belong to, that's not going to pull you through that night, necessarily. You can't tell the Yetzirah, don't start up with me, I belong to Zachtus or Abad. Oh, don't start up with me. I, I, I belong to the Israel. Don't start up with me. I wear a hat and I daven. That's not going to make a difference. Whether you have a knitted yarmulke or a hat, it's emunah. That's emunah. Your clothing's not going to save you. It doesn't make a difference. Your emunah is going to take make a difference. Yeah. So, so how is it possible that the Moshe Rabbeinu was chayyim? Was chayyim? The Torah says, "Yan lohem atem It says that it was a madrig and emunah. We don't we don't understand. We can't even talk about it. But it says befeish achumish. Yan lohem mantem bilak dishayim. It's exactly the point that whatever that nekuda was in Moshe Rabbeinu that failed on his level, which we can't even talk about, it was a chisar and emunah. Yan lohem mantem bilak dishayim. But by Moshe Rabbeinu says on his madriga, yan lohem mantem bi. That, that there was something that was missing in the... He didn't see that the Emunah. I told him one thing something else. He definitely see that he didn't believe. There was a, a Bechina, but, but again, not an Amar Dragon. He, 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 he believed that if he hits it, that it would be... No! He believed that... What he they didn't believe? He thought this was the right thing to do. We don't, we don't understand. What's really about Huh? Yeah, that's, 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 so there's, there's a Bechina of Moshe Rabbeinu The Torah says, again, we don't that, that, that's, that's, what, that's what protects us well, no, no, listen, Hilly, One of the Mepharshim said That he's looked through all the Perushim And he's already found a hundred, over 150 Pshat Luch To explain what was Moshe Rabbeinu's Aveira And this Perush wrote 
I'm not going to add to the list. I'm satisfied. There's already 150 pesachim, so I'm not. I'm going to leave my shabbenu alone. The Torah itself says Yan lehematim bilaki sheni, but we don't know. What, but the, the mefarshim are arguing. What was that nakud of Amunah that was missing? But still, that the chasrei matmel lekin as my shabbenu. The Gemara says that he that he reached the 49th level, not the 50th. The 50th level means Amuna gemura. That's the 50th level. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't reach that. He, was, he reached the Chesrei Ma'at. He reached the 40th night. And, and as long as you haven't reached the 50th, then an Aveir is still possible. On his Madraka, whatever that is. But it's still possible. Because that, but that said, Befeir Shachomish, Yan Lehemantin Bi. So when the Barishalim says to Moshe you didn't believe in me. What, is, what does that mean? You didn't believe in me. What, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't believe in God? It means on that madrega of emuna, which we're learning about, and that on that madrega, the Baruch told Moshe Rabbeinu that if your emuna would have been on that highest madrega, then you wouldn't have you wouldn't have failed in this in, you know, whatever that was with the rock, you wouldn't have failed. So so has come of a come when it comes to each and every one of us. Any time you or I fail, the Baruch says Yan lehemantabi. If you would have emuna in me, you wouldn't have done this. So the Torah says, well, you know, of course I have emuna in you. Ever since I'm a kid, I believe in you. But the Rosh says, yeah, but that, that, that means you believe that I exist. But that belief in me that I exist didn't stop you from watching that show. You don't believe in me. You have something that's in the of Amunah, but it's not the Amunah where it's so clear and so strong that it's on such a level of Chush that Moshe have been already passed that many, many, many years, many miles, light years, on such a Madrega and Chush, where it comes to a Tzaddik, that if you come and you offer a Tzaddik something like I told you, the same way, when do we have a little bit of that Chush? So Mitchell, when does Yom Kippur? Thursday? Mm-hmm. So Mitchell, Thursday, it's going to be like a half hour earlier this year, this month. Thursday, let's say Baruch 7 o'clock, we're going to be saying, Hashem Ulokim, Hashem Ulokim, and we're up to the seventh Hashem Ulokim, and then somebody comes over to you and says, I want to talk to you about that, that building that, that's up for sale a couple of blocks over here in Manhattan, you could buy it, you can get a good price, and then you'll, you'll be the star, the star. Right? You'll, you'll, you'll conquer the whole world if you buy that building. Imagine if someone came over to you by the sixth Hashem Ulokim, with that, you look at him like he's from outer space, if you're a Yid. You look at him like, what are you talking to me? You're crazy? It's, 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 it's Hashem Ulokim time, it's Ne'ilah. What are you talking about? We'll talk about that tomorrow. I mean, you don't want the guy to disappear. <laughs> tomorrow! Right? After, after davening. But not now. But somebody says, no, I have, I have this. We could talk about it right now, or I'm not talking to you about it. But when you're saying the sixth Hashem Elohim, you're holding by that Nakuda of Emunah, where every one of us feels a little bit that Chush, what we're talking about, the Hashem Elohim, all the other things of the world seem silly. Everything in the world seems silly. What are you talking to me about? Are you out of your mind? That you're talking about? Or, or the normal conversations that are in Shul. Let's say the guy that he talks to you, you talk, that he's your talking partner, he's your Jerusalem talking in Shul. Right? What are you normally talking about? Christ. The Yankees, uh, the Yankees, the angels, and what's going to be not the angels, and what's going to be. And then you're talking about this thing, and that's sailing, talking about where you're going with your wife, and this, and that. Oh. So, and that's your Jerusalem. The whole year you talk to this guy. And he has no problem. Anytime he talks to you, can you imagine if by Hashem or Kim, he talks to you about the same thing. He says, hey, what do you think about the Yankees? Huh? It was a close one. What's going to be? They come back to the stadium tonight. What do you think is going to be all right? <laughs> right? The guy comes over to you like that by Hashem Elokim. And you say to him, Samal, are you out of your mind? It's Neila. It's Neila. And the guy says to you, Kamila, we talk about this every night at this time. This is what we talk, we always talk about this in shul. Here's the Aaron. You, say, you don't see this on Kai. This is Hashem is here. Hashem wasn't here last night. Hashem, my, my son told me, but Minyamin told me, Hashem and he said that they were in, when he was in Yeshiva, by Yom Kippur, there was one of the guys in Yeshiva that went to rest Yom Kippur, and the guys forgot to wake him up. He was a fashlufan in general. He, this guy used to sleep a lot. So by the break, 
there was a 45 minute break in yeshiva by after uh, after Musaf, the guy went to sleep he woke up like 11 o'clock at night no one will come up they forgot about him Hashem Mishbach should keep us from that what that means to open your eyes and to see that it's Nachim Kippur total dark he missed Mincha he missed Mafta Yoinah he missed Ne'il this guy he wakes up so he gave out a scream the whole yeshiva like a howl like an animal like an animal and he went screaming like how come you didn't wake you didn't wake he was crying and saying, a regular guy a regular guy like you know he's a good guy a light obsessed a light you know we learned he didn't learn regular guy but that you don't mess with that you know that's in the kud of my moon that I'm a Jew that I said Hashem Elohim there one time of the year that I feel that I'm Jewish and you took it from me you guys didn't wake me up someone asked there's one second I was very very shaken up by that that thought of missing Ne'ilah. So the Abish, you know, you're with him, you live with him. And there are a million times. It's like, you know, you, it's good. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You don't think about it twice. And this, but if somebody to take it, because that, that boy felt that by, by you not waking me up from Ne'ilah, you kept me from the Rabbi Shalom. And now I don't know what to do. Because there's no other Ne'ilah. That's it. It's a fallen. And what, do you, what am I going to do? But it's not like, you know, like, you know, uh, if you live in Bar Park and you, you, you get up, you roll out of bed at quarter to 11, and so, uh, you can go to, you still can go to Munkach, you can go to the Shema Shabbos, you can, you know, you, this is it, that's Neila, you're not going to, even in Williamsburg, you're not going to get a late Neila, not 11 o'clock at night, you might get 40 minutes, you know, by a rabbi or something, you're not going to get, <laughs> by Amshin of, even in Amshin of, there's, a, there's enough in Kippur, you know, what, yeah, yeah, that's seven hours ahead of it, so, but, you know, you're not going to get, a, you're not going to get a late Neila, it's Shafalim. It's Shafalim. And I was trying to think, what, this guy is howling like a wounded animal because he missed Neila. There are a million times during the year that, 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 that it's not a question of missing Neila, that we take our eyes, our ears, our mouths, and we put it into the Shmutz Mamish, and there's no Rabbi Like there's no God. That Bechina of feeling, that feeling that this Bacha had when someone told him it's 11 o'clock night, whoops, we forgot to wake you up. That feeling of, oh my, what happened to the Vaishlam? That feeling is something that the Tzaddik, we, you and I, can live with that Hergish every moment of the year. Every moment. That's the Tachas of our being in the world. To live with that Hergish of needing Hashem, the same way that that Bacher needed Hashem's Bach Banila and felt that without that he can't go on living. He wanted to die. He was screaming like a lunatic. They had to hold him back. They had to pull him down. That they didn't wake him up for Neila. It's a terrible thought. That's what he says. We have to that these words should be accepted in our hearts. We have to think about them. Everything I'm telling you is is, is poshut. This is all open Yiddishkeit. This is what Yiddishkeit is. And we have to daven that we should be zayichet to be'emes of the sun in truth, in a simple way, to hear this and to live with this truth. And Mitzvah Shem will continue next week. Uh, no. So after Yantiv Mitzvah Shem.